Hello and welcome to The Connected Generation. My name is Nikkei Anani and I'm your host. On The Connected Generation, we explore all things legacy wealth and legacy business. How you can build businesses and wealth that would outlive the founders and have sustained impact, not only over space, but also over time. And we have these conversations with pure genuine curiosity, authenticity, and vulnerability. This week, my goodness, I was joined by Dr. Gori Seth, who literally came on like at the perfect time to to give me pure wisdom (laughs) on how to navigate parenting in these times. She empowers parents to consciously enhance connection with their children and with themselves through a science-led approach She is a mother, psychiatrist, a doctor, an author, an emotional intelligence coach, and she is just just so amazing because she really showed how to be more conscious parents, but unpacking what the science says, right? And I found it just so empowering and just amazing. And she's really passionate about thinking about mental well-being in a sustainable way. And thinking about the transgenerational impacts that parenting can have on generations to come. So I encourage you to tune into this episode. It was phenomenal. It really helped me. And I'm so sure it will help you. So enjoy. Hi, Gori. It's awesome to have you today at The Connected Generation. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me, Nikkei. Yeah, it just should be good fun. Um, you're a parent coach. You're a psychiatrist and you work with families to foster greater connections. Can you tell me more about, firstly, how did you get here and why this line of work? Mm, sure. So, yes, exactly. I'm a, I'm a psychiatrist by background. I've worked in clinical medicine, um, including psychotherapy, for the best part of a decade on and off. Um, mm. And I've also got three young children who are currently three, six and eight. Um, and essentially, I feel strongly that there's an enormous sort of gap to be bridged when it comes to relevant science which could support parents and caregivers Um, Mm. and you know I feel very lucky that through my profession I've had I've been exposed to that science through my professional exams through my clinical experience and I believe that understand you know knowledge is power and if more Mm. than understood certain aspects I think it could really support them with their emotional well-being so I now specifically work with parents to help them think about what does it take for parents to stay connected to themselves so that they can Mm. be connected to their children gosh where have you been all my (laughs) life (laughs) for the past seven years um I want to unpack firstly you said relevant science to support parents and caregivers can you elaborate on what the science does say um, on in this area. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So my focus is very specific on connection, specifically on connection. And what I've understood is that there is actually a science behind connection. Um, if we can understand, you know, aspects of neuroscience, for example, um, about how we regulate our emotional state. By, re- by mm. regulation, I'm, I'm talking about how do we calm down when we're distressed or angry or upset? If we're anxious, if we're sad, these are all completely normal emotions 
emotional experiences. Um, and part of the science is to recognize that these are normal um, and mm. kind of bring in a non-judgmental perspective to those experiences and to recognize mm. how emotions are transient. They flow on, you know, exactly as a river flows on or the clouds move on. There is a science behind recognizing. I mean, that isn't actually very complicated. That's a fairly simple concept. And yet, by understanding that, it can really help anybody, but particularly, I think, parents and caregivers who are juggling, who are often quite tired, and who can often feel quite overwhelmed with all their kind of their to-do list. And then you may have a tantruming toddler. Now, understanding what does it take for my, my upset child to to kind of calm down okay there's a part of the brain um that hasn't fully developed yet which adults mm. have but that child doesn't have yet as optimized so how can i support that child um to calm down and what the science is suggesting is this concept called co-regulation which essentially mm -hmm. is um so essentially co-regulation refers to calming down or regulating our emotional state with somebody else Okay. okay. So are you familiar? Do you want me to explain a little bit about the important parts of the brain involved in regulation? Please. That be Please. Yeah. So basically, the, in a very simple format, there are two parts of the brain which are important when it comes to regulating our emotional state. Um, the part of the brain which is the limbic system, and particularly the amygdala, that's the part of our brain which fires off when we're upset. Okay, so for example, if my three-year-old is given a blue bowl and not a pink bowl, that will probably trigger her amygdala and she'll find that very upsetting. She'll want what she wants. And for her, that's enough to trigger her. Okay, now there's a part of the brain called the prefrontal cortex, which is um, developed later on. And that's mm -hmm. a part of the brain that we all need to calm ourselves down. So the analogy is the amygdala is a little bit like the guard dog. You know, it's constantly looking for threats. It's constantly looking out for, you know, what's going to upset me? What's going to um, cross my line, cross the line? Yeah, like a guard dog would. And when it starts barking, what we need is our prefrontal cortex, which is that higher part of the brain, which sort of moderates that that kind of triggered bit. So it's the bit of the brain that we all need, it's a bit of the brain that provides rational thought that helps, mm. us, helps us calm down when we're upset. But the prefrontal cortex isn't fully developed until the age of 25. Interesting. Yeah. So the bit of the brain that we all need to help us calm down, to help us remain connected to ourself isn't fully developed until 25, which basically mm. means um, when our children, even our teenagers are upset, there's, um, you know, sometimes we may not like what we hear. We may find their behavior difficult. We may think that they're being entitled or spoilt or irrational. And actually, when you understand the science, it helps us be less judgmental and it helps mm. think a bit more curiously. You know, what has triggered my child? Why are they triggered? What do they need to calm down? Okay, they need a connected caregiver to co-regulate because until they're 25, they haven't got their apparatus optimized to regulate themselves. That sounds, I don't know if that makes sense. Does that? No, that does make sense. It totally makes sense. And I want to practicalize this now. Yeah. Like, so I'm a mom, I'm working from home and I'm under a lot of pressure from work. 
and my three-year-old, four-year-old is throwing a tantrum because, I don't know, he can't find his favorite show on YouTube. And he's screaming and he's rolling on the floor and I can't concentrate on my Zoom calls and I'm stressed. What do I do? Like practical steps. Mm -hmm. What steps do I take to be this connected caregiver and what does co-regulating him look like? Mm, absolutely. So there's, it's a two-step process. The first one is for you as the mum to, to step back and in a non-judgmental way, look inwards and ask yourself, mm. what's happening to me right now? What am I worrying about, right? Am I worrying about my Zoom call? Am I feeling um, kind of guilty about something? Am I, am I feeling angry at my child? Am I feeling angry at my partner? Because for some reason that might have had something to do with it. Am I feeling angry? You know, so it's about understanding yourself as the first step and tuning into mm. your state of mind and ask yourself, is my amygdala now triggered? Is my guard dog now woofing because I'm going to be late for my Zoom call? Mm. Um, and I always think it's really helpful when you look inwards to, if it's difficult to kind of think about it in terms of your thoughts, think about it in terms of your physical body. What are you feeling in your body? Are you feeling sort of knots in your stomach? Are you feeling heaviness in your chest? That's um, That helps you engage your prefrontal cortex. That helps engage your rational part of your brain, okay? And that in turn will help you moderate your response. And the aim is for you to then look at your child and look at that situation with as still a mind as possible. By still, I mean the guard dog has stopped kind of woofing and I'm looking objectively at the situation in a non-judgmental and curious way, okay? Mm. I believe we always have a choice in, in most things. We can either choose to sort of be non-judgmental or we can choose to bring in, you know, I think there is a choice there. And I think with connected parenting, if you make that choice, I'm going to be compassionately non-judgmental. My child is really getting on my nerves. I'm under a lot of pressure. I don't have time for this situation. I wonder, I wonder what has upset my child. I wonder what's triggered his guard dog to start going. And I wonder, um, so it's about exploring and understanding his trigger or her trigger. Because what I'll say, which is really, in, I find powerful as a parent, is if we can get really good at switching perspectives quite quickly with our children. So from mm. my child's perspective, for a three-year-old, being given the wrong toy is actually quite mm. a big deal. It might be the same as me being given the wrong car keys from and going off to the wrong car. I don't know. But we mm. have to get really flexible with our perspective. Um, so it's about having that, that kind of compassionate question and connected co-regulation is then about sort of holding space and being there with the child. And it might be kind of touching them, holding them at the shoulder. It might be hugging them. It might be looking at them in the eyes. But the message really that's really key here is that your child knows that you're not withdrawing your affection or your love. You're not withdrawing your... Um, because children need that unconditional love. They need to know that I'm loved no matter what for who I am even when I'm angry, even when I'm being difficult, my parents, my caregivers love me. Um, so it's that sort of connected holding space, help them calm their guard dog down. And then when everyone's still again, mm. that, that's when you could revisit and talk to the child and say, you know, what upset you? It's not okay to, I don't know, throw this across the room or whatever the boundary is that you would like to instill. 
you instill it later, not when they're extremely upset. Mm. This is powerful. You said two things there that are like ringing in my head. You said it's important to understand the child's perspective and for a child, you know, the equivalent of them being given the wrong toy is for us like having the wrong car keys or I don't know, turning up at the wrong office, something that's quite major. So I guess it's as a parent um, trying to see things through their eyes and their lens. Yes rather than trying to get them to, I guess, grow up and see things through our lens. And then you mentioned the importance of holding space in that moment with the child um, and showing unconditional love in that moment. So if, for instance, I'm on a Zoom call, like we said, the scenario, and Tommy is going crazy in the next room, screaming, my, my toy is the wrong toy, or whatever. Or, you know, um, Peppa Pig's not showing. And you're on a Zoom, and you just choose to essentially lock your office door and leave him to cry it out. What, what message does that show to the child? And how did they internalize that? One, and two, if you don't have the capacity at that point in time to deal with it. And then after your call, you then go to the child. How do you douse that situation? Yeah, no, I love that example because it's such a real example that parents mm-hmm. are genuinely struggling with, especially working parents. And the the thing with connected parenting is you know, we're not always going to be able to be that connected co-regulating caregiver. So if If the only, you know, if you're on a schedule and you're doing your Zoom and there's no other option, there's no other caregiver there to sort of support that situation, you haven't got a lot of choice, I suppose, to shut the door. But what I'll say is I wouldn't panic because um, part of connected Mm. caregiving is actually about repair, okay? And in fact, part Mm. of connected anything, connected relationships with anybody, partner, spouse, parents, it's about the power of repairing those ruptures. So your first question was, what does it say if you shut the door? Um, My answer is in that moment, the child's probably going to feel that their their emotional reaction isn't being validated, it's not being heard. Um, Mm. What they may take, that message could take many routes. It could be oh, I'm not important enough, or it could be, oh, my mum's really busy, I'm really angry at my mum. And it really is such a varied, it's varied for each child at each age. Different Mm. children can empathise to different degrees. What I would suggest is afterwards having a connected time, you know, what we call love bombing. I don't know if you're familiar with the concept of love bombing. So Mm. love bombing is... um, something that refers to one-to-one time with one child where you literally you turn your phone off it's just the two of you and you spend I don't know one hour half an hour with that child and you say we're going to do whatever you want to do it's just me and you and you're going to connect okay you're going to might be I want to go and have an ice cream at my favorite shop or whatever now once you've built that connection then you can talk about it with your child you know and you can do this with a two or a three-year-old I believe you know mummy had to shut the door mummy was really really busy um I'm so sorry that I had to do that what happened for you tell me what happened for you and try Mm. to get them to talk about what it felt like what they thought what their perspective was and then you can sort of answer back and say look mummy loves you no matter what 
when mummy's got work, mummy has to, mummy has to do the, take the call, but mummy's always thinking about you. Um, we have to be patient. There's a real opportunity. I would say that example or any difficult ruptures are opportunities to talk to your children about patience. And also, mm. um, one thing I talk to my children about is this concept that we can't always get what we want when we want it. So even yeah. even if your child wants to watch Peppa Pig, okay, they're allowed to want to watch Peppa Pig, you know, nothing wrong with that. But we have to kind of teach our children that we can't always get exactly what we want when we want it. And that's normal. It's not a reasonable expectation from the world that when I want something, I'm going to get it. So during that love bomb, during that connected conversation, I would say something like, of course, you wanted mummy to come and help you. Um, but we don't always get what we want. Um, so thank you for your patience. Patience is about waiting. Patience is about realizing that we have to wait sometimes. Mummy um, mm. has to wait, too. I, I often find that third person perspective can be really powerful. Um, mm. so if you said, you know, when mummy was little, mummy also really wanted to watch Peppa Pig, but I wasn't always able to. Mummy had to wait. For example, if you switch the perspective completely, then your child can look at it from their, another perspective for them. Does that make sense? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it does make sense. This is powerful. And as you were talking and I was just reflecting my head, my my upbringing was very different to this. Um, I'm Nigerian um, and our parenting style or of my parents' generation definitely wasn't this kind of, I don't know how to describe it, diplomatic, engaging, um, conversational, emotional, emotive style of parenting. It was very much do as I say or there's consequences to that. And for me, there's a lot of reorienting of my role as a parent and having to um, be a parent in a way where I haven't really had much, I guess, role models that have shown this to me in close nearby. And so I, I'm sure this is probably a similar struggle to people of different cultural you know, backgrounds. And I wanted to know your experience with this, whether through clients or your personal experience. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think from my understanding, when I speak to clients, they all sort of say something similar, even Western families, that the generation above, it was very, very different. There was a lot more authority. There was a lot more expectation. Uh, boundaries were different. And sometimes people say, you know, is this the, is this the right thing to do? OK, um, now my, my personal feeling is that connected, kind of being conscious of our emotional state and being conscious of our children's emotional state to remain attuned to them, um, it what it's what it does is it opens the doors for communication. Now, what with that opened door, you can then communicate whatever you like. It could be the boundaries, the discipline. It could be, look, mummy, it's not acceptable to me that this is how you behaved. So, connected conscious parenting isn't wildly different from more authoritarian or you know the kind of generation above but it's a different route because what I'll say is when children don't feel heard when their perspective isn't understood it's a lot harder for them to take in any sort of boundary or lesson or discipline and the analogy I use is a little bit like you know a washing machine when it's spinning yeah so when when our children are upset or triggered or when we as adults are upset or triggered imagine like a washing machine that's spinning okay now the door is locked 
You can't open the door until that spin has stopped. Even if you Mm. really want to open the door and shove in a T-shirt, you can't open the door. It's locked. And it's a little bit like that when we are upset, when we're extremely upset um, and our emotional state is sort of swirling. It's a lot harder for us to hear. It's a lot harder for us to understand. So actually, if you simmer it all down, reconnect and revisit and then instill the boundary, you know, your your door can open and they can hear you. So actually, Mm. it's a lot more efficient. It's a lot more efficient. And it's a lot less draining for the parents. I think the generation where the science of regulation wasn't understood, I don't Mm. think that's necessarily easy as a parent, because you can shout and say the same thing 80 times but is it going to go (laughs) is it going to go in in a a way that's sustainable for the child to really understand what's right what's wrong here so Mm. what i'd say is it's about it's a little bit like a wi-fi connection you know you can't really argue with the with the helpfulness of an internet connection you need that because then you can hear you can see you can you can do so much more with with a better connection um Mm. And let, you know, there's no guarantees here. I mean, parenting is, it's an interesting area of science because, um, you know, you can protect and do all the right things and, you know, do everything you possibly can. But that doesn't really guarantee anything because the mind is so complex. You know, our mental well-being is a product of our genes, of our experiences, of our parenting, of stress later on, of our experience mm. in school. So, it's it's very difficult to say hard and fast, but what I do believe, and I'm I'm understanding from working with parents, is that connected dynamics are so much easier on the parents because mm. children feel heard. They're much more likely to want to listen to their parents if they feel, look, my mum, my mum gets me. You know, I wanted to watch Peppa Pig. She's validated that, and and she gets that. But no, I doesn't mean I can watch it when I want. But she gets it. That's actually a much nicer, healthier, respectful, a more respectful dynamic between parent and child. And mirroring and the law of you know reciprocation is really key here. Because if our children are like, okay, they get me, then they are, and they respect me, then hopefully they will return that and reciprocate. And they're much mm. more likely to respect and listen to the parents. Powerful, powerful, so helpful. I wanted to touch a little bit on the topic of, you know, multi-ethnic um, ethnic backgrounds and multi-generational households. So how does this work in a household where you've got grandparents as well or with extended family, um, you know, with aunts, uncles, cousins, um, where the family house unit is a lot more complex, right? Um, just not just mom, dad and 2.4 kids. You've got more more people within the family structure that influence on the nuclear household Mm, yeah love that question because I personally am quite passionate about the sort of all the benefits that come with having a tribe if you see what I mean so I believe that children's the emotional development of a child um, can really benefit from many many connected caregivers so not just the parents grandparents aunts uncles elders um, and the way the emote the brain develops there is evidence to suggest that the more sort of attuned the more tuned and sort of sensitive 
caregiving can actually really support brain development. So, but the question you're asking is how does it work when you have different generations who will think differently? And what I'll say is it's important that I guess everybody involved in a child's life is singing from the same hymn sheet. Um, If the parents have made a decision that I want to engage in translational science and I want to understand connection and that's how I want to to connect with my children, I would recommend that that message is sort of respected by all the other caregivers um, and that they all understand the science. And when it comes to culture, the science of connection is universal. I mean, different cultures may manifest connection in different ways. And there will be variations in different cultural groups with how they connect. But actually, that concept of connection and and kind of co-regulation, that's rooted in science. That's rooted in parts of our brain. That is universal, okay, by virtue of being a human being. So it absolutely is possible to bring in different cultures and generations. But I do believe that that science needs to be understood in a shared way. And Mm -hmm. I think when it comes to non-parental caregivers so you know when we're working the people with our children you know I think as parents we're good at handing over the physical needs of our children you know nap Mm -hmm. time snack food nappies you know we do hand those things over I think we can also start handing over and thinking about the emotional needs as well um, in the way that physical health is so important so is emotional health so it's about having sort of the structures the understanding in the unit so that everybody respects your decision as how you're a parent and one of the things I'm doing is providing sort of materials digital courses I'm creating a platform so that this science can be accessed easily by by everybody and that's going to be a culturally sensitive platform because parents are busy you know, grandparents might not want to sit and listen to a webinar, but it's really important, I believe, that that if a family wants to go ahead with this type of thinking, that they have the, the they have the information there. Amazing. That was going to be my next question. Resources, like, because my brain is going off in like eighty different directions. Like, how, where, what would you recommend we as parents we read or podcasts to learn more about this connected dynamics and Yes. Yeah. yes, absolutely. There are um, many experts who kind of lean on this way of thinking, and I can definitely share that with you at the end. Um, I'm creating kind of courses, which will be sort of, you know, you can download them, watch them. Um, I've written a book as well. So what's that? Um, and there's also that digital platform as well. But I can certainly at the end of this share a list with you for your for your audience on other experts. Super helpful and also links to your resources as well, like your book and um, your platform that you're building. That would be awesome. And if anyone wants to get hold of you, learn more about you and your work, where can they reach you? Sure. So I have a website, um, which is brainbasedconnection.co.uk. And I'm also on Instagram and Facebook. Awesome. Well, Gori, thank you. This has been like amazing. I feel like we need to have you back on. I want to unpack the multi-generational dynamic and multi-ethnic, the different cultures, what you're seeing. Um, yeah, I want to unpack that a little, a little bit more. Sure. Pleasure. I'd love to. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. 
I loved what Dr. Gori said about in the moment where we're flustered and we're dealing with a child that's having thrown a tantrum or just um, it's a difficult moment, the importance of looking inward to understand self and just highlighting that, you know, we are ourselves, we're within a system. And if you can understand what's going on with you and how to kind of be aware of whatever storms and that you're going through or whether you need to just center yourself and be at peace and um, what stresses you know are, are you're you're being subjected to etc it's helpful to then know how to relate to your child in that moment and I guess it's like a metaphor and practicing that self-compassion enables us to be compassionate towards our children um, and I, was, I read this quote by Jack Cornfield that if your compassion does not include yourself, it is incomplete. And um, I read another one by Kristen Neff that said, I found in my research that the biggest reason people aren't more self-compassionate is that they're afraid they'll become self-indulgent. They believe self-criticism is what keeps them in line. Most people have gotten it wrong because our culture says being hard on yourself is the way to be. <sighs> Exhale. Um that is major. And I think it's a lot to kind of unlearn. A lot of us have come from this authoritarian kind of cultures in our homes, in business and societies. And we have a lot of unlearning of that because one of the implications of that is this, the critic, the internal critic that we think keeps us in line. And we, we can carry that to ourselves and also it can impact the way we interact with our children. And I loved what she said about being empathetic and understanding things from your child's perspective and getting flexible with our mindsets. And I, I really think this is so important. Um, you know, it's we can be so fixated on the way we see things. It's half full but they're seeing it as half empty. Can we just entertain the perspective and the the possibility that the glass is half empty um, and we speak to them from that lens and we, in that instance, we're teaching them and not, we're not preaching to them, right? We're adapting our language, our content to the way they see things in a way that would resonate to them and be appropriate for their age rather than just preaching at them and commanding them sermonizing them and making them feel like they've they've fallen short morally I think just generally I loved that she she was kind of emphasizing that connected dynamics make it easier for not only the kids because they're seen and heard and validated but it's easier for the parent and we all have to kind of orient ourselves in the sense that there's a change in dispensation that parent, parenting in an authoritarian style is not working and we need to just engage our children and hands up this is definitely an area that I need to work on and um, I found so helpful so thank you so much for tuning in as always please share share this with someone that you think it would be helpful for and also please leave a review on Apple on, I on iTunes on Google Play or Spotify wherever you listen to it helps with the visibility of the pod so more listeners can be blessed by this content thank you so much take care